everyone and welcome back to a brand new season of Survivor Talks. If you're new and just joining you and our incredible guest on this journey, this podcast is dedicated to raise awareness, sexual violence prevention, and education, along with centering survivors and allies' voices. So, if you're passionate about social justice, gender equality, and a platform that gives survivors and victims a chance to be in control of their narrative and experiences, this podcast is definitely for you. Today, for our first episode, I am joined by guest Mustafa to speak about biocenter intervention in safe spaces. We'll be diving into why biocenter intervention is so important, how we can intervene when we see something wrong, how to support affected peoples by an assault, and how to create safe spaces. If this episode gets too tripping for you to listen to along the way, please pause or stop listening altogether and take some time to practice self-care if needed. Hey everyone, my name is Mustafa. Uh, I am a student of communications and gender studies um, at uh, Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. Um, And yeah, I'm going to be joining Shivani on today's episode uh, of Survivor Talks. I'm so glad you're here, Mustafa. Mustafa and I have actually known each other for about two-ish years, so it's great having him as a guest today to speak about biocenter intervention and safe spaces. Many people have definitely, at least I hope, have heard the term biocenter intervention as it comes up a lot in sexual violence prevention conversations, and many also know the term safe spaces. Mustafa, what can you tell us about biocenter intervention? What does it mean and how do you define it? Uh, yeah, I think bystander intervention, uh, as you mentioned, is a term that uh, a lot of us may have uh, heard before, um, and it means so much in so many different contexts, but I think um, kind of examining this term from the context of sexual violence, um, we can understand it as at the most basic level um, as speaking out and taking action uh, in a situation in which sexual violence is taking place. Um, But I also think this being said that this may not be the most beneficial way um, to approach the issue. Um, As I think we also need to take, kind of redefine what bystander intervention is and take a bit more of a proactive approach um, in order to um, kind of prevent sexual violence from taking place, but also uh, proactive in the way that bystanders can help support uh, survivors. Um, And I think, um, yeah, in this way, we can kind of understand um, this term bystander as well as um, intervention in maybe more indirect ways than we previously would have, uh, and kind of uh, reframe these terms uh, in a way to um, not only um, kind of uh, talk about sexual violence or take action uh, when um, sexual violence is occurring, but also, um, as I mentioned, kind of take a more proactive approach um, in trying to prevent sexual violence um, and also um, be conscious of how we are supporting survivors as bystanders as well. Yeah, so you keep mentioning how um about taking proactive approaches to bystander intervention, but what exactly are some proactive approaches that we can take? Um, yeah, so I think I think a big step um, is first acknowledging the complexity of sexual violence. 
um, and the complexity in how um, it is something that um, when sexual violence take, takes place, uh, it affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think acknowledging this complexity is a, is a good first step to take. Um, and, but I also think that like it, it ends up being something that we can kind of get stuck on by just looking at um, sexual violence as something that is um, very complex because oftentimes when we do intervene as bystanders, this intervention is something that um, will often challenge existing relationships or power structures. Um, and I think, I think it's important to acknowledge this, but beyond this, I think um, that we need to really view how we deal with sexual violence um, is something that is very survivor-centered um, and, and as well as like focusing on taking a action-oriented approach. So I think in this way, um, a big part of it is just um, speaking out when we, um, and I want to get into this further. I think, I think it's also, it's also a little difficult now because, um, sexual violence has, especially in recent years, um, with online spaces and such, um, is something that we as, um, outsiders or bystanders, um, may not always experience, uh, in the public sphere. Um, and it, it may not always be something that um, takes place in the public. Um, and so, so given, given kind of the complexity of how sexual violence um, often materializes, I think um, it's kind of important to, to acknowledge that this intervention can take many roles. Um, and yeah, like I'd, I'd love to get into... Uh, um, especially like online spaces, creating safe spaces for folks um, and stuff like that. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier how uh, we should be taking like a survivor-centered approach and I totally agree with that. Um, and when it comes to preventing sexual violence, why do you think some people don't want to intervene? Obviously, when we ask someone to intervene, when they see something wrong, the response is typically along the lines of, you know, well, I don't want to be involved and targeted as well. And they're not really educated or know the proper tools on how to like intervene when they see a circumstance where, you know, there's like someone intoxicated and there's a bunch of men around them probably taking advantage of a victim. So how do we change this and remind people that intervening is so important because while we might may not mean an, an intentionally, we are unintentionally helping the perpetrator go away with sex crime. Right. Yeah. So I think I think a big thing here um, is, and and I think a lot of men, especially, we need to kind of acknowledge um, how prevalent sexual violence is. Um, and I know it's it, it can be a tough idea to fathom, but when we understand how prevalent sexual violence is within our communities, we begin to understand that the circles that we find ourselves in. Um, will often contain perpetrators of sexual violence, um, as well as often people who are survivors of sexual violence as well. Um, and I think um, a lot of people have like this mindset that, oh, like this is a person that I know um, and they wouldn't do this or 
the situation that this person is in, like, I guess kind of taking the benefit of the doubt. But um, I think this is, this is often problematic because when we look at the evidence um, and we listen to survivors and their experiences and their stories, we can really understand, I guess, how prevalent the issue of sexual violence is. And then we, we can identify that there's a definite contradiction between um, kind of one's perception of sexual violence as an outsider um, and the experiences that survivors have. And so I guess what I'm trying to say with this is we often think that our circles don't have perpetrators of sexual violence. Um, and I think, I think a, a big step is kind of acknowledging that even the people that we surround ourselves by or people that are often around us are people like we might know people or we are likely to know people who um, have, have acted in a way that um, either promotes sexual violence or have been the perpetrators of sexual violence. And I think when we, when we acknowledge this, especially as men, um, we become more comfortable in having conversations about it and we also become more comfortable in holding ourselves accountable and holding people around us accountable. Um, and I think this, again, this can take many forms, but obviously when we see something like the experience where you mentioned where people may be intoxicated and not being uh, able to consent properly, I think acknowledging that that sexual violence is kind of something that is very commonly taking place around us, um, is a good step in being able to kind of identify when it happens and, um, and ultimately um, hold people accountable so that kind of behavior doesn't take place. Yeah, you're totally right on that. Um, there's this like concept where a lot of people just feel like, oh, if they don't intervene, it's not really their fault, but it is. And just creating, making, when you see something like, you know, a possible like rape that's about to occur and you don't really feel comfortable like calling someone out, because if you think about it there, I feel like there are a lot of girls and even some guys who may like look at, you know, a potential, someone who's intoxicated and not able to consent, like you said, and, you know, they may feel like, oh, what do I do in this situation? That just goes to show that there's not that proper knowledge and education that they're equipped with and like the proper safety tools to in intervene, right? And it could be like a very difficult, nerve-wracking situation, um, especially if you don't wanna be like the next victim or the next target and like the situation that's happening. But do you think people who don't intervene when the witness someone being taken advantage of share the same fault um, and the same blame as the perpetrator or not as much? You know what, like I, uh... It's difficult because I, I don't think that um, it's necessarily always beneficial to look at sexual violence and how it takes place as like this black and white issue. Um, and yeah, like circumstantially, I think I think it wouldn't be fair to acknowledge the the concerns or the safe of like safety and stuff of uh, bystanders. But at the same time, um, I think ideally it would nice it would be nice to see more people taking action and and I think this is kind of something that um, that that once like the movement kind of grows and once especially as men as especially once we start 
holding our friends and our people in our circles accountable. Um, I think it just creates a better environment for everyone. Um, and so it's, it's definitely something that I would, I would like to see more of and, and something that I feel a lot of men, um, especially are in the position where, where they can uh, intervene in these situations. And so, yeah, like, I, I don't know if I would um, kind of label it as a black and white thing where um, in every situation, uh, whoever is a bystander has to intervene because yeah, they are, they obviously are um, issues of um, safety that we need to consider as well. Um, but yeah, generally, generally, I think, um, especially men in our society, um, a lot of us are in a position where, where we can intervene. And I think I would like to see a lot more of the Yes, you're definitely right. I don't think the full burden should be put solely on like um women, um, especially if like men want to be allies and um, you know, prevent sexual violence that comes with intervening. So there's definitely a lot of people who are uneducated on bystander intervention. When did you come to learn about this term and how has it changed your life? If so, has it made you more aware of standing up for potential victims? Um on in online and public or private spaces? Have you taught any of your friends, your family, your peers? Right, I, I actually think this is a great question. Um, I think the kind of the idea of education and education around these issues is, is something that I find very interesting because I think how, how we acknowledge education and being, being a student um, of gender, sexuality and women's studies, um, I think education is important in the sense of understanding an issue, but I don't think education necessarily changes behaviors, um, at, least, at least formal education in that sense. Um, so, so given, and, and I kind of, I bring this up because I've, I've even seen men who are work, for example, within uh, like advocacy organizations or do advocacy work or have studied um, uh, gender studies um, in their schooling. And I've, and I've seen these same men um, often be people who, who are perpetrators of sexual violence. Um, and um, who maybe take advantage of women even through their work sometimes. I've, I've seen cases like this. And so that really made me question the role of that education has. I'm like, given that these people are educated and they're still kind of engaging in this, in this very problematic behavior, um, is education, um, and education I'm speaking about in a more formal sense, is that the answer? And I, and I kind of came to the conclusion that it can be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is because this kind of behavior is still happening by these people. Um, and so actually my, my kind of journey with this kind of um, understanding of sexual violence um, and feminist issues and domestic violence and so on didn't really um, start off within an academic environment. And my, my journey with all of this started off by listening to survivors and kind of, and even just listening to experience and often the experience of women uh, around me. 
Um, and something that I've tried to do is create a space in which um, those people around me are comfortable to talk about these things. And I think just having that open space for me and, and that being something that I've um, tried to foster and try to nurture within my circles over the last uh, quite a few years actually has been very beneficial for me um, in, in understanding the issue. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think, and I think this is something that a lot of men kind of miss out on, um, is building, I would say, beneficial, um, relationships with women in which we can kind of learn from each other, um, and listen to each other. I think men often, um, because because of issues of of masculinity and stuff like that, don't often listen to women or or give that space to women, um, and um, I think another result of this is is also a lot of women don't feel comfortable in in their circles and don't feel comfortable around uh, a lot of their friends um, and especially friends who are men, and I think I think this is really harmful because it doesn't allow us to to fully understand issues. Um, of sexual violence um, and how kind of prevalent, as I mentioned, these issues are. Um, because something that I've realized is, is sexual violence is an issue that affects everyone, um, whether that's directly or indirectly. Um, everyone who I've kind of spoken to, um, men and women in this case, have, have had some sort of experience um, of how sexual violence has, has impacted them uh, or impacted someone around them. And I think, I think listening to these experiences is really critical in kind of going beyond and learning how, how um, I guess what we can do as individuals and, and beyond that, what we can do as communities to kind of foster or like a safer space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, when you were talking about the education part and how there's a lot of like men who are educated on, you know, who are like gender studies students and they work in the advocacy field and they, you know, for like women's organizations, um, they take advantage of women. I'm not going to lie. I've had the same scenarios where this has happened and it's not even just like on the aspect of like, um, where it's only men, it's women too, right? Um, a lot of these uh, I always want to say people, like I don't want to gender people right now, but um, when it comes to people in general, there's um, a lot of people who are, you know, in gender studies, gender studies students or criminology students, and they volunteer with like women's organizations or the work for women's organizations, but these are the same people who don't really practice what they preach, right? Um, they are very like two-faced I guess with their activism like um up front they think that they're advocating for like sexual violence prevention and education and awareness and they want people to be educated on like trauma and body responses and you know what are some triggers that comes with um being a survivor and even just beyond that like bystander intervention and consent and um how to hold space safe spaces it's kind of like a bullshit kind of scenario just for me personally and how I viewed it because either way um either one these women are very um like I said performative in their activism or two the men who are 
um, so-called activists in the community, as we've seen a lot of stories that have circulated around the media lately. Um, one of the top, one of the stories I've seen on my um, social media is the one that happened at UBC, I think it was like a year ago in summer, um, where there are like three athletes who are accused of sexual assault. And one of them was like a volunteer for like a program where they helped, um, you know, UBC students from like further not be uh, sexually assaulted. I helped them from like walk to their campus to like maybe their apartment, like on, on campus housing. So there's definitely a lot of double standards there. And it's uh, a little scary to know that um, these people exist in their community. And I do think that, you know, while education is so important, um, it doesn't really go anywhere or help if no one's willing to actually learn and do the work. Um, but yeah, um, a lot of people don't also want to intervene because their friend may be the perpetrator taking advantage of the victim. And this can go two ways. One, they may feel guilty knowing this was going to happen, but they didn't say anything. Or two, they are the ones encouraging their friends to take advantage of someone who's drunk or intoxicated and are unable to consent. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I think this is this is unfortunately a very common occurrence. Um, and I think, especially as men, um, how, how we approach this issue um, is quite critical. And, and again, I think, I think a big thing to acknowledge is um, just how prevalent sexual violence is um, and how, how much it takes place and, and how it affects those around us. And I think, I think acknowledging this, I think a lot of people just have to reckon with the fact that their circles do have people who, who um, are likely their perpetrators of sexual violence and, and this kind of conflict of, of knowing what to do with these kind of relations is, is something that will, will almost inevitably come up. Um, and I think, so I think a proactive approach to this is, is very important and kind of um, creating, creating a culture where um, groups of friends or, or social circles of any kind can hide, kind of have these conversations. Um, and I guess the, the aspect of intervention in, in that particular case of, uh, or a particular action or behavior of sexual violence is very important. But beyond that, we also need to um, create a culture that can be um, open in talking about feminist issues, um, can be open in talking about um, the effects of, of sexual violence um, on victims, on our communities. Um, and, I, and I think having, having this more proactive approach is something that especially a lot of groups of men and a lot of social circles of men miss out on um because it doesn't directly affect us as often as it may affect women um and and i think i think this is kind of something that we need to um we need to start doing more of especially as men is, is having these conversations we need to be able to um identify um when sexual violence is taking place when uh people around us are um, kind of being perpetrators of sexual violence or being uh, complicit in these kind of things. And I think, I think something that's very powerful to me and my experience um, 
is I guess I guess the impact that speaking out has um, and the impact and also being someone who talks about um, sexual violence or gender-based violence at all, um, the impact that has on even my social circle. And, and this is something that I've been trying to do more is just more explicitly talk about these things with my friends, um, more explicitly call out any sort of behavior um, that I think is problematic when it comes to this. And, and I think kind of being able to use that as a learning experience for every, for everyone, um, including myself is, is really important. And I think within, within more circle, uh, within circles that I guess are closer to me, um, I've actually really felt the, the impact of engaging in these conversations regularly. Um, and I've kind of seen how things that even people around me that that were um, kind of doing and and this would often especially in circles of men this often comes out in the form of jokes or the form of not taking sexual violence seriously or kind of um, again like talking talking about it in a way that that is problematic um, and even in more in more extreme um, uh, situations being complicit in things like uh, non-consensual uh, sex and rape and um, stuff like that. Um, but I think having these conversations and, and even my friends knowing explicitly where I stand on these issues um, has really prevented a lot of that from happening um, within my circle, at, at least when I'm there or like within the public, uh, within the public aspects of it. Uh, again, with sexual violence, it's, it's very hard to know um, what is happening, like what takes place in the public spheres and private spheres. But if if a lot of men or, or if um, kind of men can start out speaking against these stuff um, or kind of taking a more proactive approach to understand issues of gender-based violence and sexual violence, we can kind of get to a point where we, we can at least prevent this from happening within the public sphere. Um, and we can prevent this from happening in situations where we're present um, because people will know that we that we will call out this kind of behavior and we will not encourage this kind of behavior. And I think that actually has quite a profound impact. Yeah, and speaking of public spaces, um, and tying this in with like private spaces, which are like household settings and even um, online spaces, the term safe spaces is and continues to be circulated a lot. I personally feel like not everyone knows what holding a safe space means and people kind of just don't do their research on how to support someone and provide non-judgmental non support to people who have been affected by sexual violence. So what exactly does safe space mean and how do we apply this concept to not only in online spaces but also in person? Yeah, so I think, I think safe spaces is kind of something it's a term that's been thrown out a lot. And, and I think um, kind of the use of, of this term, I don't think is, um, I mean, I think it's like quite a, quite a beneficial thing in, in the fact that it um, hopefully allows individuals to kind of um, engage and reflect on what a safe space can look like. Um, and, and I think safe spaces, um, again, are something that can take 
many different forms given given the context or the circumstance. Um, I think a big thing for me is kind of being proactive about space building. And so when I when I talked about my my journey, um, kind of um, both academically and and outside of uh, academia, talking about uh, sexual violence and gender based violence and stuff like that. Um, uh, a big thing that helped me with is is hearing about the experiences from survivors or or even just generally other people's experiences with with these issues. Um, and I think one way that I was personally able to do that was by creating a space um, that was kind of non-judgmental in which people could um, have open discussions, ask questions, um, and we could all kind of just engage in discussion about, about these, um, these topics and these issues. And so I think in that sense, especially as men, um, um, as I mentioned, we often we often miss out on that because, um, and I think I think a big thing is about just generally men's relationships with women, and how we often tend to treat women, even if they're our friends or people who are close to us, uh, we don't often give give them the space um, to be able to express themselves, um, and we don't often give give them the space in which they're heard. Um, and and a lot of this to do is to do with uh, women's safety. And from from my experience speaking with a lot of women who are either survivors of sexual violence or even just um, have indirectly or directly dealt with the issue, um, the, the women are often concerned about their their safety. Um, they're often um, concerned about the their emotional uh, well being. Uh, their physical well-being, etc., and and I think something that we often haven't done is is create spaces in which um, in which um, we kind of value and and we support uh, people and we ensure that they they are safe and that they are um, emotionally and physically. Um, kind of treated well and, and, and are supported. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, things like harassment, rape jokes, stalking, victim blaming, these dynamics that ties in with rape culture is not just limited to online, but also happens in public and private spaces. You know, standing up for someone online is great, right? That's the first step in acknowledging that you're supporting, believing, being an ally to survivors and victims in online spaces. But often in person, people can really get nervous or don't bother calling out misogyny in public and private settings. So how can men assure women they're safe in, in public spaces? What are some actions, safety tools, and knowledge men can apply to reality if they hear like a rape joke, a woman looking uncomfortable, um, stop someone from stalking and continue their work um, outside of social media? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely um, a tough one. And I, and I think I think a lot of what it comes down to is acknowledging that the privilege that men hold in society and kind of acknowledging the fact that although it's, it's something that's very um very unfortunate men can get away with a lot and I think even as men we need to acknowledge 
just how much we we do get away with in society and i think a lot of what it comes down to is is holding ourselves accountable and holding those around us accountable um because i've noticed a lot that that um yeah like e even for myself like i i know that there have been situations where i have um maybe engaged in like some sort of humor that um that promoted misogyny um i think i personally have have been uh unfortunately have been in in situations where um i've treated women in a way that may have made them uncomfortable and and looking back at these things um i think i think it's important to kind of reflect on these experiences and reflect on um our our power in and privilege as men um and i think we need to reflect on how um we are treating in those people in society who are less um who have less privilege than us and i think i think a lot of it yeah like how i said is we we need to be the ones holding holding each other accountable and holding ourselves accountable because pretty often that that isn't going to take place unless we do it ourselves Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, thank you, first of all, for being accountable and admitting that you have made women um, really uncomfortable. I feel like a lot of men tend to hide that, um, like that they're past a lot. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, admitting that you potentially like harassed or made someone uncomfortable in public as long as you're like willing to change that and you're learning and constantly growing as a person. So I think that's wonderful. And on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode. So thank you, Mustafa, so much for being here today and talking about Five Center Intervention and Safe Spaces. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. It was a pleasure being here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me.